trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues Here in Columbus and all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding And today I'm talking with Julie Doran Organic hemp farmer And advocate for hemp cannabis in Ohio. Julie Doran was raised on a small farm in a big family. She's passionate about cannabis and her focus is to free this plant and to keep cannabis a clean medicinal option for anyone who wishes to use it. She manufactures an organic fertilizer formulated for cannabis production. She also farms five acres of hemp and grows the CBD that she uses in her CBD line Ohio Friends and Family CBD Products. She enjoys educating people on the benefits of cannabis, how to cultivate it, and what its uses and possibilities are. You can find her at the State House educating legislators on the benefits and uses of cannabis or hosting summits to educate farmers on how to cultivate a new crop. She loves connecting the dots for businesses, growers, patients, and legislators. She has submerged herself in the industry because of the way the cannabis plant can change a life. When Julie isn't focused on the world of cannabis, she can be found outside in nature, gardening, showing alpacas, and hanging out with her friends and family. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio. Thank you. You've been a major player in the return of hemp production in Ohio. And in 2020, 2021, you were covered extensively in interviews, videos, legislative testimonies. It is now two years later, and I'd like to know where we are right now in Ohio in 2023 with hemp in Ohio. Um, well, I would say that we are new to the game, um, so we've only been growing for three years. So 2023 is the actual fourth year of growing in Ohio. Um, so a lot of people, when they apply for their license, their license are good for three years. So a lot of people farmed for the first three years, which were, you know, 2020, 21, and 22. And then this year, I don't think there was that many people who actually renewed their three-year license. And a big part of that is just the hurdles um, of the industry. And just this plant in general is a difficult plant to grow successfully on a commercial scale. So when you're growing hemp in Ohio, you one of the regulations is you have to do at least a minimum of a thousand plants. So that is a lot of plants for someone who has never grown this crop before. Um, so a lot of people actually had a lot of failure, you know, testing. This is all, you know, testing the first few years. No one has really been growing this on this kind of scale for almost a hundred years. So Ohio was one of the strictest states. Uh, they started out with their regulations being a lot stricter than other states, which was unfortunate for the farmers in Ohio. I really, even before we legalized hemp in Ohio, you know, I was in the state house all the time meeting with the legislators, trying to educate them on the importance of every um, aspect of the plant, e either medicinal or industrial or the, you know, what you could make out of this plant, not a drug, not a high, not, 
you know, the, the demon plant that they have always made it out to be. It's not that. So I wanted to feel comfortable about legalization and legalizing this plant altogether. It is, it is a magical plant. <laughs> the possibilities of, of this plant and what you can do with it industrially, um, you know, the clothing, paper, building materials, you know, that has nothing to do with the medicinal side or people, you know, using it and getting intoxicated they always want to throw the negatives you know out there and half the time the negatives that they've been leaning on for the past you know 50 to 80 years it's all a lie you know it is made up by media um and just drug out by you know government regulation and laws and everything against this plant so i have really had it on my heart just to free this plant and educate people about how great it is. <laughs> so a lot of people look at me like, oh, you know, she's high and stuff, but I'm, I'm never high. They can never, you know, they never know whether I'm high or not, but that's not what it's about. Um, it's not about getting high, you know, and even the people who use it medicinally and get high off of it, it helps them tremendously, um, way better than pharmaceuticals, all the, you know, all the painkillers people are on, antidepressants, anxiety medicine, all the kids with ADHD, autism, um, all of our health ailments, almost every single one of them, cannabis could benefit. Mm -hmm. So people are just not educated on the fact because even the medical field has not been educated on our bodily system, our endocannabinoid system, which that's what this plant works with is our um, system. That's why it helps in so many ways because it plugs directly into our system because God actually made this plant medicinally for us. It plugs right into our system and that's why it helps with with um, traumatic brain syndrome. It helps with all kinds of things because it was made to directly plug into our system. So a lot of people don't know that. So that is, is really my like backbone is just pushing education, um, getting people on the right page, um, you know, and all together trying to legalize this plant and just free it so we can see what it can actually do. Excellent. What got you started in growing and producing cannabis? Um, so I, in 2012, um, I was working with my family. We are, I'm a sixth generation farmer. So we are farmers from way, way before I was born and we manufactured fertilizer. And so in 2012, when they started legalizing on the West coast, I, I did use this plant medicinally and it has changed my life for this. So I've had some traumatic events in my life. Um, and cannabis has really helped me in that way. But just getting into the industry, you know, knowing what it did in my life and what it could do, I'm like, okay, we're legalizing. We need an organic fertilizer <laughs> because we're in fertilizer. And I felt so strongly about and for this plant. I'm like, all these people are using all these chemicals on this plant to make it grow, you know, two or three pounds per plant. That's not what this plant is supposed to do. We're supposed, you know, we need to keep it clean for medicine. Um, if you feed it all these chemicals, it'll be just like tobacco. And when people use it, they'll get cancer, they'll get sick, they'll get, you know, I don't want this to happen to cannabis. And Tobacco doesn't make you sick. Tobacco doesn't give you cancer. It's all the chemicals that they use when growing and producing, you know, this, these toxic, 
you know, tobacco fields. So that was really where I started was in 2012. Um, I started developing Meg's fertilizer and just growing and testing different products. Um, everything had to be organic and clean. So that's how I got started was just, I was already a farmer. It was really important to me to keep it a clean medicinal plant. So I started the Meg's fertilizer line. And then I kind of just like grew from there, just meeting people in the industry, um, learning, you know, different stories, different people's backgrounds. It's business people, it's farmers, it's doctors, it's, you know, it's moms with their kids that are autistic. It's, it's seniors that are on handfuls of pills. I talk to these people all the time and it's all kinds of people, you know, so it's, it's not just people getting high and for the fun of it. And, you know, so that's my heart has always been in it um, as a medicinal plant. So that's really what just keeps me going. <laughs> well, for our listeners, can you explain the differences between hemp, CBD and marijuana? Yes. So um, hemp is comes in two different varieties. You've got industrial hemp, um, which it is really tall and it doesn't develop a lot of flowers. So people um, use that for grain or seed um, and they use the stalk or the herd for building materials or clothing or paper. So that is the industrial hemp where you could really do an endless amount of things with that plant industrially. Um, our market is not there for industrial hemp yet because we don't have people using hemp in all these products. And then you've got to go through building codes to get it in, you know, hempcrete and, um, you know, blocks or, you know, brick or something like that. You have to go through all these regulations and codes now to get it into the um, normal everyday use of products. So that's another hurdle of the new industry is trying to get hemp approved to use in all of these products. So that is industrial hemp. And then you have medicinal hemp, which would be CBD, CBG. There's a um, there's over a hundred cannabinoids in the cannabis plant, but typically they are um, dominant in either THC or CBD, and that makes the difference between marijuana or cannabis and hemp. Which hemp is also cannabis. The only difference is that THC percent. So for a um, medicinal or CBD plant to be considered hemp, it has to be below the point. 3% THC threshold. So not even a half a percent of THC. And then marijuana or cannabis um, is usually your higher THC. So actually anything, even if you grew hemp and it went past that 0.3%, now it's considered marijuana. Even though you would use it and not get high, it would still be considered marijuana because it's not your legal hemp crop. Um, so in the hemp industry, like I'm a hemp farmer, if I went past that 0.3% percent THC, I had to destroy my crop. So I, I had to burn over a thousand plants. Um, my second year that I grew, I, I grew three varieties. So I had three different tests. Uh, each variety that you grow has to have its own test. One variety was hot is what they call. Um, when you go past that 0.3%, it's hot hemp. It's illegal. Now they consider it marijuana and you have to destroy it. So the state has to actually come out to your farm and watch you either mow it down, till it in, burn it on fire. Basically, you have to destroy it and you have to do it right in front of the state. So it's all documented and approved, you know, so I'm now I'm not having marijuana on my farm. So that's I mean, it's just stuff like that, that 
hinder the industry, but those are all legalities, you know, and that, that the simple truth of it is what is considered hemp is your 0.3% THC or less. Anything over that is considered marijuana. So, and, and you, well, now when we're talking medical or medicinal marijuana, usually that THC percent is between 15 and 30, maybe even 35%. So way higher than your, you know, even half a percent that hemp would have in it. So so that's kind of just the difference. You got your industrial hemp, you got your medicinal hemp, and then you got your um, cannabis, high THC cannabis. So, okay, well, medical marijuana was legalized in Ohio in September 2016, and Ohio legalized hemp, medicinal and industrial, in July of 2019. And as you said, the first crop was sown and harvested in 2020. What will happen if they pass? the recreational marijuana statute this fall, what will happen with all that percentage of 0.3, between 0.3 that goes beyond in your CBD um, fields? Can you, can you then use that as well as what you have for your um, CBD? Okay. No, you could not. So when you're in the hemp pro, uh, our program, if we, um, we got it on the ballot, so we're going to vote on it, but what, it is, is, it's called treating it like alcohol, but basically it'll be an adult use. So 21 and over, you could use cannabis. You wouldn't have to have your medical card or approval. Um, there would be a lot more, it would be available, um, you know, through dispensaries and stuff like that, not necessarily gas stations. So it'll be almost like a liquor store, but a cannabis store. So it's not going to be easily available at the grocery store or gas station or anything like that. And it will have its own program. Now people will be able to grow their own indoors, but it will be so strict. It'll have to be like in a locked area, either a closet, you know, or a room in the basement or something where kids can't get into it or someone can't come into your house and easily access these plants. Um, so it'll be restrictions like that. Um, I believe the nut count of, or the number of plants that you can grow inside is six at a time. So you can have six plants growing at a time. So that would be what they're approving um, on the ballot. Now, the hemp program is totally separate. So you're still going to have to the minimum of a thousand plants. It has to be outdoors or in a greenhouse, at least a thousand square foot. So they've got all kinds of regulations on the square foot allow allotage, uh, the number of plants you have to grow. So and they kind of made that minimum of a thousand plants. And it is a lot. And it, it really hindered our program. But they say they did it so that they didn't have people growing little patches of marijuana saying that it's hemp. So they wouldn't allow you to grow 20 hemp plants and have, you know, be legal in the hemp um, program in Ohio. They, that's why they wanted a, a minimum of a thousand. So you're registered when cops fly over your property, you are approved hemp farmer. They know, and there's a thousand plants out there. Yes. You're going to have a field of cannabis, you know, so they did that. So you couldn't grow. 20 plants or 50 plants or whatever you wanted outside and it be marijuana. So the pro the, what we legalize um, or vote on um, if it is legalized, it will be its own total separate program. Um, you will be able to home grow, but only six plants indoors and it will have, you know, again, it will have to be protected. 
It will be a lot more easy to get, though. You know, it'll have just regular dispensaries where you don't have to get approved medically or anything like that. So I, I do support that, obviously. That's just, you know, going in the right direction. So, and I mean, when you grow this plant, you don't need to grow a whole field of it, you know? And I don't, I think a thousand hemp plants is a lot. I'm like, uh, what if I am just... So uh, it's so cool that hemp is legal. I just want two hemp flowers out in my, you know, garden. Nope, can't do that. That's illegal. And it's like, <laughs> you know, they just have to create all these, you know, roadblocks to just, you know, but they say they have reasons for all of that. So you just have to try to understand what they're doing behind the scenes. But a lot of times it makes it harder. So, yeah, this is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. And today I'm talking with Julie Doran. She's an organic hemp farmer, entrepreneur, and consultant in the hemp industry in Ohio. I was looking up, doing some research, and um, during World War II, there was hemp for victory. Um, it was illegal. I guess it was um, in 1937, they made it illegal. It was called the Marijuana Tax Act. There was a prohibition on hemp. But then um, during World War II, there was a shortage of fibers for ropes and um, canvas and and material that would make um, military equipment and ropes. So they opened it up and they had a, there's a video and I'm going to share it on my webpage because it's really interesting. But then, then again, they closed it down um, later on and uh, lumped it in with um, marijuana and hemp growing stopped basically in Ohio and many, many states. So I would like you to talk about your experience of being a farmer and growing the actual plants. And how has it been? What's worked and what hasn't worked? Yeah, so it it is a it is a difficult plant to grow. Um, you know, it will just grow out there. But for your medicinal plants, you do want to take care of them. So there is pruning and um, sexing. You have males and female plants, and if you have a male out with your females, you'll start producing seeds. You don't want that. So, like I have, um, I did five acres, and I had eight people full time out in my field. So they came to the farm, and they're job was this field and they left the field. That's when they got off work. And there is just so much hands on. Uh, I, I compare it to tomatoes. So, and again, you have to do a minimum of a thousand. So that's a lot. So could you imagine having a thousand tomatoes and having them beautiful and harvestable at the end of August? So your tomato plants aren't falling over and all rotten and have all these bugs and, you know, all kinds of issues you can't do that, you know, so you have to be out there on top of it almost every day. It doesn't, it is, it doesn't require a lot of like feeding, like fertilizer or water. Um, outdoors, you get the rain. So if you have a real dry spell and you don't have rain for like a week or two, then you might water once or twice. I think my first year I might've watered three times. Um, and my second year, same thing. So you're, you're not like a lot of people, invested a lot of money in, you know, watering um, the hoses and stuff like that, or um, all, all kinds of different things, building buildings and everything. And I tried to warn everybody that this is a new industry. So in just like any new industry, everything's going to change. Um, the rules are going to change. The equipment's going to change. The suppliers are going to change. Everything is going to change. So basically, this is all a test on how this plant grows outdoors on a commercial scale in these um, territories. So 
your genetics are all different. Your genetics from Colorado will perform different in Colorado than they would in Ohio. So then you are looking at all new genetics that are, you know, three or four years old instead of these proven genetics that are from, you know, huge corporations who have done it for years. That's not what this industry is. So it's not that we set it up to fail. It's just that it is a hard, it's a hard plant to grow. It's hard to do it on this big of a commercial scale. Uh, the genetics are new, so people don't know what to expect or what it's exactly what you're going to produce. So it, it's just a lot um, of hurdles. You just have to, my heart's in the industry, so I love it. Um, if your heart is not into it, if you were doing it to get rich quick, if you were doing it uh, just because, oh, cool, yeah, let's go do this, grow hemp. Um, it's just you got to be dedicated to it um, and then you'll have beautiful plants. But it's, you know, if not, then it's a lot of hard work to flush down the drain. You know, you don't want to have a hot harvest where you have to destroy everything. Um, I destroyed a thousand of my plants. That's a lot. But I had forty five hundred plants out there. So I'm just lucky that I did different genetics. So not my whole crop didn't go hot and I had to, you know, destroy it all. So. I don't know. I like it. I accepted that challenge, I guess. Um, but with the rules and regulations on top of all the growing, it's just hard to grow the plant, you know, and then you've got all the rules and regulations that you have to stay within uh, testing requirements to send it to a processor after it's harvested and dried and cured. Um, there, There's just a lot to the game um, and it's just new. So education is key to get the word out. This is how you grow the crop. This is the nutrients that it requires. This is the, um, you know, the weather conditions that we deal with here. They're going to be different weather conditions than in California and Colorado, you know, or Florida. Um, so you're, you're doing all of this for the first time, you know, so it's a new baby. So if you get into this industry, you have to think of it like that. You have to know that you're going to lose your money. You know, it's just, it's experimental right now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just where it is because it's so new. So you can't go in expecting, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars an acre off hemp. You know, that's um, not like that. Um, and it's, you can be successful and it is a great crop. It is uh, it is a magical plant and the things that you can do with it is awesome, but it is a challenge. It is a challenge to grow. Have you discovered a couple um, strains that are work best in, in central Ohio and so, will you use them again? Yeah. So with the cooperative, we had nine genetics that we tested the first year. Um, and the year after that, we had we had five. So I would always suggest that the farmers grow a few different varieties again. So if you did have a hot crop where you would have to destroy it, you weren't destroying your whole field. You would still have, you know, a couple hundred or a thousand or whatever you did plants left over to harvest. And so we did um, the, a couple of the genetics like Topaz was a good CBD um, genetic Canadian dream. The white is a good CBG genetic. So a lot of the people in the, in the hemp industry switched from CBD to CBG plants because the CBG <laughs> plants, this is just a different cannabinoid. 
would not produce as much THC. So you're almost guaranteed to not go hot. Um, so you're not destroying anything. So a lot of people jumped on the CBG plants um, the past few years because it's almost guaranteed you're, you know, you're going to produce this crop and harvest it. So, I mean, that just kind of switched. They grow the exact same, you know, um, produce the exact same. Some genetics will grow a little taller um, and some genetics, um, you know, de develop or harvest earlier, have a shorter lifespan. Um, and it's kind of like your early um, set beans or, you know, corn. You'll have a longer uh, set corn and a short set corn. Um, and that's how, how these are too. So the genetics, there's thousands of genetics. So you really take what has been producing the best and either terpenes or cannabinoids, what, what you're growing for, and really try to hone in on those genetics because everybody's been breeding and crossing genetics. And really they're not geneticists, you know, they're not seed breeders. They're not, they're just people out there trying to find, oh, we like cherry wine and we like, you know, this variety, we're going to cross them now because then they'll have these, you know, these genetics. So again, that's a whole new industry, all new genetics. Um, it, within one um, variety, you could have a six foot plant and a two foot plant and a plant can produce, you know, a pound and a half or not even an ounce. And it's the same genetic uh, just because it's not proven yet. They're not bred out. It'll take probably four to five generations to actually get a um, proven genetic where you are consistently getting the same thing, you know, from these seeds. Um, so that's another part of the industry. That's a hurdle, but it's new. You know, everybody has that comes into the industry has to remember that this is brand new. So everything's new. Everything's experimental. Everything is, you know, what we've learned probably in the past 10 years pretty much. Um, so it, it's just that that's where it is. So we do have a few genetics that, you know, I stuck with and um, that I am comfortable telling people, you know, I, I would go with this or this or this, you know, they always produce good here in Ohio. But as far as the genetics go, just in general, you know, you don't have a, a set list of 10 genetics you go off of. And those are them, you know, there's hundreds they really don't know how they produce in different states and different atmospheres. Um, so it's fun. Experimental. <laughs> yes. Talk, talk about the Hemp Farmers Co-op. And then I'd also like you to talk about the Ohio Hemp Farmers Summit. Um, we have we have basically a minute left. So talk about the Hemp Farmers Co-op and then the Ohio Hemp Farmers Summit. Okay. So with it being new, I really took heart. I am a farmer and I love this plant. So that's what I did. I kind of took the cooperative and took me being in the industry and the business. I knew other businesses and all the other products and stuff that were needed for farmers to successfully raise this crop. So I had business members, I had farmer members, and I tried to join everyone so they could basically be educated. We would have summits where we would educate them on planting, fertilizing, harvesting equipment all of that um, because again education is key because it's brand new and no one knows about it so that's kind of where I come in is connecting the dots and the you need these business people they they supply these products this is what this plant needs at this time and just kind of I just kind of put that hand in hand and try to 
help the farmers out there. But again, it's a hard crop to grow successfully on a commercial scale. So we'll just, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's an experiment. How can people find you, Julie? How can people find um, you? Yeah, my website is ohiofriendsandfamily.com. Um, and that will have Meg's fertilizer. It'll have my Ohio friends and family CBD. And I also do consulting in the hemp industry. So I have consulting on there um, where we can set up a call or a Zoom and go through a bunch of information like this. Thanks so much for joining us, Julie. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio with hemp cannabis farmer, organic farmer, entrepreneur and advocate for the hemp industry in Ohio, Julie Doran. Thanks so much. Thank you. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Columbus, Ohio, Grassroot Ohio now airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. at WCRSFM.org and at 4 p.m. at WEJPLP in Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.